0: This is a podcast from BFM eighty nine point nine, the business station. Big ball, we can't get. His life just won't wake up and face reality he plays guitar to an empty bar and his brother says that hey, you won't get far i expect to support your family so he put on a tie and he took his shirt and he dished the water cooler dirt with all the other
1: Good afternoon, this is Good Things, the show where we speak to good people doing good things. Ten years ago, co-founders Melanie Delkin and Brian Gomez opened Merdekarria, a space for new artists to carve their skill, to fumble and to make mistakes. And most importantly, learn from them. The survival and success of Merdekarria hasn't come without a lot of personal and professional sacrifice. And today on the show, I'm going to discuss the highs and lows of running an independent local art space like this with Brian, who joins me now. Welcome, Brian. How are you today?
0: I'm good. Thank you for having me, Julia. Oh,
1: always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining me today, Brian. Always good to see yeah. you. Um, take me back to the start, Brian. Ten years. Uh, I was there. I remember, you know, at the opening of Medecaria, I joined you guys the, and I was just like, you crazy kids. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> remind us. Remind us about uh, how Medecaria came to be. Whose crazy idea was it?
0: Oh, well, um, it was not fully thought through at all. Um, so it's it's still not fully thought through. <laughs> ten years later. <laughs> um but but what happened was um a, you know we were i'd written some uh some songs melanie was performing in in a few uh different places as well we'd been to a few open mics and things like that and we realized that there was uh there were very few places uh, or none at all if i recall that were dedicated to um local independent art or local independent music specifically and it was just sort of like a germ of an idea it wasn't wasn't really anything serious and then we happened to be driving by uh, this this shop lot and uh, it it said for rent and we said on a whim we said let's just go and check it out and see if we can do something with it and um, I think five minutes after we went into the space we we had put the deposit down already and uh, we had no clue what shape or form it would have taken at that time. Uh, We just knew that we wanted to do something Um, you know we had we had some kind of idea but uh but nothing concrete and uh, we we put down the dep- deposit first and uh, and that's literally um how it started we had no clue what we we're doing we, we were doing at the time uh, still I love no you, clue <laughs>
1: Still no clue. But, you know, 10 years, you know, so many places don't even make it to half that, uh, that, you know, amount of time. So clearly Mm. you're doing something right Um, and just kind of going with the flow. Um, But, you know, at the time, did you sort of see uh, a disconnect, you know, between, I guess, you know, the artistry that you guys, you know, that you guys were craving or that you guys were presenting? Also that uh, the sort of entrepreneurism that you wanted to bring, uh, you know, to the the scene, to the independent music scene. uh, Did you want to try and bring that all together?
0: Really, Juliet, we we did not think. Okay. So the initial idea, if I remember correctly, it was supposed to be just like a small uh, place with little pigeonholes that artists could rent. And, you know, sell their CDs and things like that. And a little chair there where people can sit and and strum their guitar and and sing independent music. We had a little book uh, section uh, which was built out of wooden pallets. We sold mommy packets for one ringgit.
1: Uh, i remember we, that i remember yeah, that
0: the, and and that was literally like our entire menu was mommy packets for one ringgit mommy <laughs> packets and and you know five ringgit beer and things like that and and we discovered within like three months that this is totally not going to work <laughs> at all um from the business side of things uh, you know we, we immediately got uh support from the the arts community and, and things like that but from business point of view it 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 just didn't work and then we just kept evolving from there we kept learning and uh, we kept trying new things in you know uh, we we decided to focus more on the music side of things not so much on the book side mainly because we were raided by the cops and they said oh you can't sell books in a cafe and uh, there were like these other problems where we had a, a book by Zaid Ibrahim called Ampun Tuanku and a book by Reza Azlan called Tiada Tuhan Melainkan Allah and uh, and the cops started shouting at us and saying, "Oh, how can Allah face the bar?" And we're like, "Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> okay." You know what? This is just too much trouble. Let's just take the books out of it. And from then on, I think we became known as as specifically um, a music place, and uh, which was good because because it it made us focus on one thing and not try to do too many different things for too many different people. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we've just kept experimenting with business models and. Since then, I mean, we've changed things up so many times. I can't even remember how many times we've changed things.
1: But it's you know, you've been wonderful. You've, I guess, at the crux of it, you know, the bottom line is you've always been working towards uh, supporting and featuring local acts. Am I correct in saying that? And I mean, uh, would you say that's kind of like you know the basis of everything that you guys do?
0: It is. Um, it, it definitely. I think what we we, we try to do is to, to get people, because there is a general. I think, apathy about the grassroots music scene. I mean, yeah. Most Malaysians, I think, don't even know such a thing exists. So, I think the main reason we exist is so that people can come and discover grassroots music, which is what our tagline is. Because the talent is there. You know, the the um, our musicians are not less skilled than anyone else in the world, less talented than anyone else in the world. But it's just that no one knows about it. So, so Merdekarria is a place where people can come and discover um, grassroots music, but... You know, having said that, I mean, ten years, we are no closer. Well, we are we're slightly closer to where we want to be, but not even anywhere um, close to to you know bridging that gap between being sustainable. Really, getting enough people to to be interested to to be sustainable. I don't know, maybe year eleven.
1: We live in hope, isn't it, Brian? Um, I think that actually has been something that I've admired, that you guys never gave up, you know, that kind of tenacity that you guys have. And uh, for sometimes, you know, a, a bit of a thankless job because you face so many challenges, not just from, let's say, the authorities or the cops, but uh, also from, you know, people in the scene, you know, your uh, some of the patrons who come, you know, there've been a lot of challenges as well, haven't there?
0: Definitely, yes, yes. Um, especially like in the, in the last, I mean, even from year one, I think there, there were, um, you know, a whole bunch of, things that happened from the authorities to to like you say you know even people in the scene um, and uh patrons and things and in the last two years i think that was like really crazy it just came like one after another we we, we fought the federal government and then the state government and local councils and then just random drug induced <laughs> <laughs> um people who i don't know just just you know things just went Absolutely crazy. And uh, yeah, I suppose if you follow us on, on social media, you'll know like the whole stories be- between uh, be- behind all these things. But but the last two years especially have been um, especially crazy and uh, challenging. Yeah. Um, even now, I mean, just, just dealing with, for example, rising food costs, mm-hmm. which is a huge, huge thing. You know, you, you think after two years of a pandemic, you, you come out and it's going to be the roaring 20s, which everyone predicted it would be it is absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> um you know um, everyone's just dealing with uh, rising food prices like half the restaurants in in the gassing area are closing down like post pandemic instead crazy. of during the the pandemic so so it's it's constant um challenges it's um, um and for a business that people were apathetic towards to begin with um it's it's especially challenging i think um but yeah, um let's see how it goes in the end, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I mean, just going back to what you said, because I clearly follow you on social media. And I just remember reading those crazy accusations that were uh, sort of leveled against you guys. Right. And and mm-hmm. well, you dealt with it in your usual humorous way. And um, mm-hmm. it was I, I love the way you dealt with it. But it must be Thank painful to, to get, the, you know, you're trying so hard. And this is the kind of nonsense that you have to deal with. But I, I did see a lot of support as well coming for you guys, you know, when all of these things were happening. Am I correct in saying that?
0: definitely um i think the, the only reason we we've survived uh to be honest especially during the pandemic was was because i think when you have something uh, niche like this when you have something that's uh not widely um commercial that's not for the general public you tend to have a lot of so, uh support because people um the people who to Actually, go out and listen to grassroots music. Are especially defensive about it. Are especially supportive about it. So when things like this happen, you get a lot of support from from people within the community and also people who like haven't been there for ten years, but then remember that one time that they came ten years ago and loved it, and want to support and want you to keep going. So the, during the pandemic, especially, I think we we survived um, a lot on on community support um and, and, and you uh, had to
1: pivot so much isn't yeah. it during the pandemic i mean in terms of your business model in terms of what you guys were doing what you guys were selling uh everything had to sort of change isn't it
0: everything did uh, we so the 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 live bar which is the, the which is what has been for the last 10 years uh was completely shut yeah. uh essentially for 2 years it was just like this this storeroom where we just collected wooden pallets and things like that and uh planned for a reopening that we did not know was going or not going to happen. And um, what Melanie did was she um, experimented with a lot of um, recipes because, you know, people were doing food deliveries and things like that. And, um, and one of the things I think, um, you know, we tried so many different things. Uh, some things worked to a certain degree, some things didn't work at all. And then what happened was like this whole bunch of uh, restaurants uh, near our area closed down and uh, there were non-halal restaurants and then we said okay well let's try and do that and Mel came up with a um, whole bunch of recipes and we tried that and then that was an immediate hit. So like on, on the first week itself I think we, we went like kind of viral and stuff like that and, um, and uh, so that became Barbie. Uh, which was uh, which is the downstairs area of Medi, which, uh, which was created specifically during uh, the pandemic and that sustained us uh, throughout those two years.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and that that kind of resilience. I mean, I remember ordering stuff from you guys; it was amazing stuff. Uh, again, you know, even issues, things like, gosh, even then you had problems with like delivery guys not wanting to come to your area. It was all sorts of crazies, right? Crazy things happening because of the, uh, you know, the police blocks, the jurisdiction, the t- you know, all sorts of crazy things happening as well. Yeah, yeah,
0: right? yep. because um, Angasing is at the border of KL and correct, and and up. Yeah, and so um, at the time there was a roadblock set up, like literally just. A few hundred meters away from us, and so in order to get to our place, you had to go like an entire round, all all around. And uh, so yeah, we couldn't get like deliveries, the uh, riders to come to us, and and you know there was all sorts of things. But uh, but I suppose everyone had you know different kinds of problems during during that those two years. So um, we're through it now, and uh, just facing a whole bunch of new problems. So <laughs> let's let's just get through this this next bunch of problems. <laughs> All
1: right. Well, we'll talk about that. Uh, but let's just go for a quick break, Brian. When we come back, sure. let's talk about it. I guess, you know, your plans for the next 10 years. Uh, I'm speaking today to Brian Gomez, co-founder of Merdekaria. It's another episode of Good Things where we speak to good people doing good things. Both Mel- Melanie Delkin and Brian have been running Merdekaria for 10 years now, uh, you know, promoting and championing grassroots music uh, where, you know, it's a place for Malaysians to discover grassroots music. We're going to continue our discussion after this quick break. Keep it right here on Good. Good. Things on the Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Good Things on the Bigger Picture, the show where we speak to good people doing good things. The good person with me today, Brian Gomez, the co-founder of Merdecaria. Ten years ago, he, together with his wife, Melanie Delkin, opened Merdecaria. It was a space for new artists um, to carve their skill, to fumble, to make mistakes, and more importantly, learn from them. Uh, And as their... Tagline goes also to discover grassroots music. Let's talk a little bit about the music now, uh, Brian. Because, yeah, so grassroots music, right? So, and you know, you guys have had lots of open mics, but you also have like your sort of curated program. Talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, choosing what music goes on, or is it like a everyone is welcome sort of situation? What's the curation like for the music, Emre De yeah.
0: Um, Okay, the evolution of the music, I think um, initially when we started uh, 10 years ago, we our requirement was that, a band or a performer has to have at least one original song mm-hmm. uh, to play. And then a few years later, we increased that because we wanted to build, um, uh, you know, original music as opposed to uh, playing Sweet of Mine Hotel California or whatnot. Um, so, so then we increased it to three and then we increased that to five a few years later and then we uh, seven. And now, uh, Marie Carey is a completely uh, cover song free zone oh, okay. um so at any given time uh if, if you come to america uh, if you're listening to the music that goes on uh that's played on the house speakers they are all written uh performed recorded by uh local grassroots musicians everything that you, every song that you hear on stage is going to be written by the performers who perform it uh on stage and you uh, know it's it's a huge Actually, it's a risk to do it because uh, when people go out to listen to live music, what they want is familiarity. They, they you know, you've you worked uh, for five days. It's the weekend. You want to go out and you want to sing along to some songs that uh, you already know um, mm-hmm. and have a few drinks and stuff like that. So, so it's a huge challenge to get people to come out and listen to uh, music that they don't know played by people who they've never heard of before. Yeah. Um but. I, I think we've built a small group of regulars who, who now actually, you know, have evolved into uh, the kind of situation where people actually get offended if, if there are like cover songs being played. It's like, oh, you're playing a cover song, you're not supposed to do that here. <laughs> um, so so that's, that's been the evolution um, of the music. And I think one of the things that, uh, one of the misconceptions I think that people have about grassroots music um, or independent music, uh, as as it's called, is that it's music made by people who haven't made it yet.
1: Yeah,
0: and that is actually completely, completely untrue. Because mm-hmm. um, because um, you know people have in, the, in in their minds this idea that that what you hear the, mu- the mainstream music that you hear on the radio is uh, made by successful uh, musicians. But it's the the reality is that it's it is almost always marketing driven mm. um, as opposed to grassroots music. Um, if you if you look at the progression of a musician's career, a mainstream musician's career, um, it's over before you're 25. Mm.
1: Um,
0: there's no reason for that to be true because what happens is they put you on, for example, Hits FM uh, when you're under 25 to sell you prepaid cards. After that, they move you to mix uh, to sell you postpaid cards. And and then the music becomes nostalgia. Yeah. And then, you know, many years later, you're in, you know, you're on oldies and goldies and they're selling you, I don't know, adult diapers or, or, or whatnot. But that's the progression, right? I mean, uh, if, if you think about all the famous uh, artists that you know, they peaked at 25. And then after that, every concert that you go to, you don't want to hear that new stuff. You want to hear the songs that you listened to when you were 25. And you thought that that was the golden age of music because those <laughs> yeah. that was the songs that you liked yeah. at that particular time. But but that's not the way it works with grassroots music. A lot of people who uh, who are in the grassroots music scene who sign with uh, labels immediately want to get out of it because they have no freedom uh, to to uh, to compose their own thing uh, to to play things according to you know what to write what they want to write um, and what. Uh, what's interesting about the grassroots music scene is that if you discover a band when you are twenty two and the the artist is twenty two as well, when you are forty and that artist is forty, you grow along with the artist because uh, because the music industry hasn't abandoned you as a listener. they haven't shoehorned you into um, you know uh, into the nostalgia section yeah. of things. so you grow with the artist, the artist grows. Uh, along with you and and you know why does a novelist have something to say artistically when he's 60 why does a filmmaker have something artistically to say when there's 70 visual artists but that doesn't work with the music industry the music industry is like 25 that's it artistically you have nothing more to say to the world Um, but that doesn't happen with the grassroots music because Mm -hmm. people grow older people have different views of the world about relationships about politics about social issues and and those things ought to still be said and ought to still be sung uh when you're 30 40 50 and uh and and I think that's the be- that's the real beauty I think of the grassroots music scene is that you can be uh, 50 years old and walk into a and find someone who's singing something that you can still relate to
1: yeah it's not about churning out those greatest hits and you know those sorts of like cover albums right which we often see with those kind of mainstream music sort of like productions isn't it
0: it is it is it is totally i think i think there is a degree of um honesty uh about grassroots music that you will not find in the mainstream media especially for famous musicians who who release like second or third albums because mm-hmm. you know you that, that, that first album might be an honest uh reflection of yourself but then the rest is is um, commercial pressure to keep up with that? Correct. Thing. Yeah. But for the local grassroots music guys, they have they are under no such pressure. They they just they they're writing what they honestly feel at at whatever point they are at their lives, mm-hmm. and uh, and hoping that uh, there are people with similar experiences who can relate to that, uh, and and who want to come out and um, experience that uh, musically.
1: Mm-hmm. And for you personally, I mean, you know, during the, the course of this 10 years, Putra Bumi has also come uh, come out during this time as well, right? Maybe you want to tell our listeners a little bit about that?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, well, my, my band is called uh, Putra Bumi, which is like uh, Bumi Putra, except grammatically correct. <laughs> um, and yeah, we don't get like discounts and stuff. We're just a band. <laughs> um, Unfortunately, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, um, to be honest, during the pandemic, we... I. Don't I can't remember writing like a, a single song except maybe one that's out on YouTube, um, my solo song. Uh, but so we've been playing for for years, since day one. Actually, it started off with just me solo, and the evolution of the band was us playing solo, and then some some uh, Riz, uh, my guitarist, will say, "Hey, can I come up on stage and jam with you?" Then he'll come and jam, uh, and then it slowly grew into this um, uh, this four piece band, and uh, we released. Um, an album, I, I don't even remember when, uh, probably like uh, five years ago or so. <laughs> but, an album of 12 songs, which you can uh, listen to on Spotify. But it's, it's all, it's mainly what we do is we, we talk about social um, and uh, political issues that, that, um, that we face in this country. Um, again, something that you will likely not find on, uh, on the mainstream music side. And uh yeah, we, we play about um once a month, usually on the Friday or Saturday. And uh it is, you know, it is what it is. I, I suppose it's there there was a time where um we before I think was it 2018 when when pH first yes won? Yeah, it was 2018, yeah. So pre-2018, we had some degree of uh, some measure of popularity. Uh and then immediately after pH won, like no one wanted to hear those protest songs anymore. And we were like, it's like yeah, we don't want to come and hear your angry songs against the government and then we were like Plug. and then now we and then we're back up again because like everyone's pissed off again. <laughs> uh, yeah, so like it's a, a whole it's, it's it's like a seasonal thing, but I think a lot of us uh do that and you know Azmail, you know, I think he, he he's on BFM quite a lot. Yeah. He he does a lot of social political uh things as well and I think he explores the Malay language in in ways that um most um, mainstream people don't um, a lot of um, as I said a lot of the younger musicians who when they were 21 22 uh, started right playing um, you know love songs and little uh, frivolous songs there's nothing wrong with that but um, now that they're 30 you you find that um, they're starting to write a lot more about social issues yeah. uh, and things like that and and again that's that's a that's a progression that we're proud of and we're proud to be Part of because I think that's what um, that's what music, I think needs not so much the scene uh, here in general, but just music in general needs to be not so marketing driven as it was uh, previously. Mm-hmm.
1: And I wanted to just kind of circle back to something you were talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, that you alluded to earlier, you know, and that was your issues with um, all the authorities, right? Whether federal or state or, you know, local council, right? And that was, you know, a lot to do with licensing. It was a lot to do with, um, you know, putting on live music events. And I, I think this was especially during the pandemic, isn't it? Like, you know, you were being charged for things even though, uh, you know, you couldn't even put up performances, right? Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, those sorts of issues that you had to go through?
0: Yeah, well, I think the the, the main Uh, issue was that with regards to live music, what happened was uh, MKN uh, had released a set of SOPs that was so confusing to everyone uh, that literally no one had the same interpretation of any single sentence that was in in uh, those uh, written in those SOPs. So the, the council had a different interpretation. The police had a different interpretation. Uh, the states had a different uh, interpretation. The bars had a different interpretation. And so on and so forth. So every time you got uh, raided or something, someone would come up with something completely new. No one knew what was going on. and So so that was the, the crux of our, our fight um, with regards to whether we could open or whether we, we couldn't open, some places were open. Uh, some uh, KL had a different interpretation than MBPJ, so uh, they had live music in KL but not in PJ at the time. And and so what we were demanding really was not uh, unreasonable. What what we were demanding was just to to create a set of SOPs which we volunteered to help draft. Uh, that that is clear. That is uh, easily understood and that applies um, to everyone. Yeah, so we got into a lot of trouble uh, with that, and then we were in the news, as we often are. <laughs> and uh, um, but but in the end, I think MKN at least at that point uh, made an effort to reach out. Uh, they called us and said, "Oh, actually, what are what are the problems that you have? Can you write something for us uh, to understand?" And then so we we wrote this whole proposal. We sent it to. Uh, MKN via Ministry of Finance. And they kept updating us after that. And they said eventually they said, okay, we're going to just reopen all bars on April 1st. Mm-hmm. Uh Nasty. so yeah, <laughs> we're small contribution towards the reopening what? of uh everything. And and the, the funny thing was every bar in the country opened on April 1st except for us because we still had a problem with MBPJ, uh, <laughs> the licensing uh department, which is a a whole mess because we, since since 2013, we've been fighting for taxation and licensing reform in the arts because you can't license as, as you would a pool table or uh, a karaoke, you know, uh, someone who writes and performs their own songs or their own poetry is not the equivalent of a pool table and should not be licensed as such and we have these these taxation laws this enactment hiboran and uh, entertainment tax and all that which was actually something that uh, the genesis of it was during colonial times the british um, and it started in india the british started an entertainment tax and the purpose of this entertainment tax was um and i quote i can't remember where i read it but to stop large groups of indians from gathering and discussing mutiny and rebellion. and that's why there was an entertainment tax. That's literally the start of the entertainment tax. I'm I'm not sure how successful it is. I mean, I'm not sure how you <laughs> would stop large groups of Indians from gathering in India. Um, you know, I mean, you you say, hey, you group of Indians, stop gathering, disperse immediately, and immediately everyone is in another group of large Indians, isn't it? I mean, that's, <laughs> this is India, but um, oh but but, but that's but that's the genesis of it, right? And and how many, 60, 70 years later, the state government of Slango, uh collects 25% more for your movie ticket because of a law that started in India 70 years ago. Mm. There is literally no reason for a specific entertainment tax. None at all. It was, it was handed down by the British and the governments just said, Oh, look, we get this free money for, uh, by instituting a tax that exists for no reason. Uh, so let's just keep collecting it. Um, the, if if you take your family out to, to a theme park, uh, if you want to go out and watch a movie, if you want to go out and uh, listen to music, why should your leisure specifically be taxed by the government, um, especially when that same government is taking away all public spaces or parks and things like that, and then taxing you when you just want to go out and um, have some fun? I'm not saying that taxes should not exist sure. uh, for the arts. But it should be the same taxes that um, everyone else pays. I'm an accountancy firm or Kedai Runjet or something. No, why should there be a specific 25% tax for entertainment? No reason at all. So we've, we've been fighting for that for a long, long time. And uh, in the PH manifesto, uh, just before the elections, they actually said that they're going to do licensing, taxation uh, reform and um, as well as to, to increase, I think, to give more freedom of speech, freedom of expression to, to arts venues. Uh, but we all know what happened. I mean, the manifesto, I'm not sure if it even applies.
1: This um, is 2018's manifesto, right?
0: No, this is this is the last one. Oh, this the is, last one. Okay. Yeah, okay. The, the one that, that that just happened. And then now we've got this unity government. So I don't know if that, was, that still applies. But, I'm, you know, we're going to, to actually, I mean, on, on social media, we're trying to actually keep reminding them that you actually said this yeah uh so and uh, you should do it and one of the things that i think we were pleasantly surprised about was that when we went to re just went to renew our license uh the state of slango has waived the tax for another year uh for an additional year so so we were yeah really very pleasantly uh surprised with that so it's a great help to be honest so still lots to be done uh with regards to reform especially licensing and uh and taxation
1: yeah it has, so it also,
0: has, sorry sorry but also yeah freedom of speech i think uh we've seen that how crack house the uh, comedy had was shut down pretty much just for nothing uh yeah. pretty much just for one person uh, going and and creating trouble and uh and, and then
1: sort of the authorities looking for other reasons yeah looking it?
0: for looking for for other reasons and it's a comedy venue. It's an arts uh, venue. You know, there there has to be, um, if any place is allowed to explore uh, or to push the boundaries of, of uh, what we can say or what we can think, uh, surely it's arts venues. It, it's historically been arts venues, uh, but but um, and that's why I we we think um, you know it was important that uh, this was in the manifesto, but. Uh, I you know I guess we just need to keep pushing for it.
1: I, I was going to just say that you know um, in terms of the tax that you it, it's not been abolished right. I mean they haven't addressed that yet. They've sort of just waived it uh, for the last uh, couple of years or so. Is that correct?
0: That is that's correct. Yep. I think you see abolishing it requires changes in the law. Uh, I think specifically repealing the Enactment Hebergan, which mm. which deals with not only taxation but it deals with uh, the governing of entertainment uh, venues Uh, it allows uh, the police and religious authorities and and things like that specific powers simply because you are uh, under an entertainment venue license Mm. so it requires that you repeal that but what we are trying to say is that all you need to do is just set up a separate category for the arts and take it out of the entertainment uh the sector Sector, and yeah. yeah and and that way, you you can license us accordingly. You can tax us accordingly, uh, and we can be governed accordingly as an arts venue. It's it's really quite uh, it's it's really simple. I don't know. It's it, and it's low hanging fruit, um, but I don't know why there's there's so much uh, re, um, resistance meat. to it. Mm-hmm. I if you know if I were to speculate, I would think it is because. Of the fear of freedom of expression and freedom of, of speech, uh, because if you take us out of there, how do you control us? Uh, how do you control what is being said in the, in these spaces? Because um, and yeah, I I genuinely think that that is why they don't want to do it because I can't think of any other reason. Mm-hmm.
1: And. In, the, in the, On that same vein, you know, in terms of like freedom of expression and, and you know, just freedom of speech, has that also been a problem? Uh, you know, has have you faced issues with that uh, in Merdekaria as well? You know, because as you said, you know, you're speaking a lot. A lot of the grassroots music is about, uh, I guess, speaking truth to power, perhaps, you know, and, and talking mm. about issues. Um, has that ever come back to sort of like hurt you guys in, in uh, yeah, I guess, you know, trouble with the authorities or anything like that?
0: Um, well, we we had that one incident where the books were facing the bar, and the oh, cops. Oh yes. Okay, uh, I Yeah, the cops came yes. yeah, and cops said, oh, you can't do." It. Um, but musically, but m- musically? Uh, musically, no. Okay, musically, that's good. we 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 have not. I mean, well, you know, I I suppose it's like um, it's random as well, right? I mean, one person with a phone uh, takes uh, a video of something that they don't agree with, and then they post it, goes viral, and that's how these things happen, right? Uh, yeah. In any venue, so. Um, you're really at just at just at the mercy of one person with a grudge uh, at any given time unless you know the the law specifically mandate that you're allowed to, to say these things and explore uh these things Um uh, yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. And you know, I guess you know, if if you had a message to sort of like uh, people out there, you know, how would you like them to uh, support the local art scene and to support local uh, small venues like Murdekaria? You know, I mean, you guys have, of course, uh, you know, done so much for the local music scene. Um, but yeah, how would you, you know, what would be most useful or helpful to to organizations like you guys?
0: Um, well, I, I, I think just for you know, if you if you're talking about the general public, I don't yeah. think support is uh is the correct way to go about it. Okay. Um, especially if you... I mean, we we have a cause. We, we want to promote grassroots music. And, but we don't do it uh, purely for altruistic reasons. We absolutely want to be profitable because I'm uh, 48 miles 53 and we, we can't <laughs> be doing this forever and ever it is like it's literally like we're washing dishes and and um, and you know mopping floors and, <laughs> and things like that and it's oh no. uh, and it's uh, you know you, it's not when, sustainable. When you, it, it's not it's not sustainable. Uh, it, but it has to be. I mean, uh, the the holy grail is that Murdikarya uh, becomes not just sustainable but profitable because uh, in in order for us to keep doing it, it really has uh, to to evolve into that so um but but to say that um i think it's it's a bit um it's wrong to say that people need to support you okay. uh, why support local music why not local fruits why not local uh your local cuisine you know the, if you want to say support something local there's a whole uh, bunch of things that, sure. that people. so there has to be a reason uh why people would support uh local music i think one of the main reasons is what i uh, uh um said earlier on is is that you know if you come to Merdeka if you listen to a Merdeka playlist on Spotify you're probably going to find, and if you do it the way you would listen for example to the radio because what happens uh, a lot with radio is that songs are not repeated because they're hits songs are hits because they are repeated mm-hmm. that repetition makes a song hit and if you listen to our Spotify playlist you will find at least two or three songs that is going to stick in your head the same way it does on the radio um, you're going to be lifelong fans of two or three bands the same way you would with American music or British music. Um, you're going to be meh about some of the bands. You're going to hate some of the bands the way it is with just music in general. But if if you actually go out and discover grassroots music, you will find that there's a lot more in it for you than you would think. And, you know, instead of you supporting a local music scene, that local music scene can actually support you because your favorite band uh, from the US or UK is probably going to skip KL and go to Singapore and Bangkok but your favorite band from you know Bangi probably playing at Murdekaria this Friday and you can come uh, watch your favorite band and then watch them again three months down the road so the scene actually feeds you it actually enriches your life if you give it a chance in, in fact it's a lot more interesting I think mm-hmm. because then the uh, the music that is written here these are these are the songs these are the words of your neighbors uh, they're the words of and and songs of your colleagues and there is a proximity to it mm-hmm. uh, that makes it I think a lot more relatable to your Malaysian life if you will allow it to and so yeah um, like I said you know, It's not a matter of supporting local music. If you give it a chance, it'll support you. And that's why I think uh, come out for a gig. Um, All gigs are free entry in January because of our 10th anniversary. So we've got a whole bunch of bands still playing until the end. Mm -hmm. Come and find one that, that you can become a fan of.
1: Yeah, and of course, as you mentioned, you know you've got uh, lots of things uh, lined up uh, until the end of this month, right? I mean, who are some of the acts that we can see uh, if we come visit you uh, in January in conjunction with your tenth anniversary?
0: Oh, we got um, um we have Asmil, uh, Asmil uh, who's on we have we have and Orkes Padu. I think they they're on uh, Friday. Um, no, they're on the last Friday. They're uh twenty seven. The- 27- yeah, I well. You, there's, a, there's a whole bunch There's a whole of, bunch, uh, okay. This one on, on But My band Putrabumi plays on the last night, uh, on the 28th. Wednesdays and Thursdays are usually solo acoustic. Mm-hmm. And then Fridays and Saturdays, you have the uh, the bigger um, bands playing. So we have two bands on any given night as opposed to one, uh, which is what happens on uh, normal days. Okay. But what we tried to do in January was we tried to feature all the, the bands that played with us over the last 10 years, who have been with us since day one, which is why we did a whole month long thing because we just couldn't fit. Usually we do a one day thing, Mm. but we just couldn't fit everyone in in one day. And and that's actually something that we're really proud of because like the bands that played for us in 2013, uh, so many of them are still playing uh, with us uh, in an unsustainable industry uh, (laughs) where no one makes any money. Uh, but everyone's <laughs> still around. I mean, you know, and everyone's still around because everyone's still just they're, they're writing songs and they're performing the songs and 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 they want to play it to an audience of uh, two sometimes. And that's that's really, I think, what. The great thing about the grassroots music scene
1: is, yeah, and you know, for anyone listening, of course, you know today is Friday, so it's got uh, uh, tonight performing at Merdeka is Keith Kamalraj, Kamal and the Casualty. There's also Otam tomorrow is Shakir and the Rumbungan and Jack's a Dull Boy, uh, and then you know it continues next Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, so many people, and of course, you know the grand finale, if I can call it that, uh, on the 28th uh-huh. of January, and that's got you guys Putra Bumi, also Numinous, Aka Umbi, uh, Silver Guns, Supermans, and also an Open Mind. Am I
0: correct? That's correct, yeah. yeah. Um, the, what happens uh, with us is that we usually use the open mic to find new talent yeah, and yeah. most most of the open micers who have uh, at least 12 originals will definitely get a featured slot. Okay. Uh, so, so and that's how we've, we've, we've grown over the years. Yeah. Okay.
1: So, yeah, discover your new favourite band, right? Just head over to Murdekar. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brian, uh, for joining me today. Any last Thank message you. uh, you'd like to leave us with?
0: Um, yeah, but just just to discover grassroots music, really. I mean, go, go out and listen to a local band. And, and find one that, that suits you. And uh, yeah, enjoy the music. Thank you so much,
1: Brian. I've been speaking to Brian Gomez, co-founder of Merdekarya. If you'd like to find out more about Merdecaria, uh you know, even your menu, everything is there. Uh, just visit merdekarya.com. That's M-E-R-D-E-K-A-R-Y-A.com. You can follow them on Facebook uh, or on their social media channels. I think you guys are on Twitter as well. Am I correct?
0: Twitter's for the controversies and and fighting with the <laughs> government and all, and Instagram is for like the gig things. But yeah, yeah, Twitter's where where, where it's like this. Everyone's, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's, where the,
1: that's where the fighting happens. Okay, so there's uh, Facebook, there's Instagram, and there's Twitter, right? And all for yeah, different yeah, sort yeah. of reasons as well. Very well targeted. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Um, but of course, that website, you know, for everything is merdekaria.com. If you miss any part of our conversation today, you can always listen to the podcast at bfm.my or you can find it on the BFM app. This has been Good Things on the Bigger Picture, BFM
0: 89.9. I'm happy to be one of the I'll just sit here and talk to my cat. I'm happy to be one of the half-nots You can keep your camaraderie I'm happy to be one of the half-nots And I shall remain free